Welcome to the Shine Online podcast. I'm your host and video content coach, Natasha. And after years of being a social media manager for service providers, coaches, and physical product brands while creating content for my own brand, I realized how important it is to infuse video into your strategy, no matter what surface or platform you decide to use for your brand. This podcast will help you create strategic video content that doesn't take away from your business, but fuels its growth. You'll leave each episode with a simpler way to show up with confidence that isn't reliant on the latest trend or gimmicky hacks, but a sustainable strategy. Ready to go from overwhelmed to confident in your content strategy? It's your time to shine. It's time to record our 100th podcast episode. Let's get into a little Q&A. Hello, and welcome back to the Shine Online podcast for our 100th episode, give or take a few bonus episodes here and there. For today, I wanted to do something a little bit special, and I wanted to do a Q&A. I've been talking a lot about like speaking and how I've grown my business and brand partnerships over on my Instagram stories and sharing some behind the scenes. And I've gotten a lot of really awesome questions. So I put out a question sticker, got all your questions, and we are going to dive into it for this episode. So we're going to break things down into the speaking, working with brands category. Then I'm going to be talking a little bit about team and then behind the scenes of scaling. So let's get into it. So first, let's start out with the story of how I attracted my first partnership and how I kind of got started with speaking and brand partnerships. So my first partnership, was actually with Later. And I have been a fan of Later, who is essentially a scheduling app for years, and I've used them for years. And so I was that annoying person (laughs) that would like tag them in every post, I would engage with their content, I was constantly putting myself out there for years before they ever responded back to me, let alone followed me, let alone truly even noticed me. And I was constantly giving ideas of like, hey, would you want to collaborate on this? Or oh, can I like serve your audience on this? And eventually this led to my first partnership and tons of future partnerships with them. And something kind of similar happened with my first speaking engagements because it was actually at an in-person local event. So it was a combination of the connections that I knew in my local Tampa community in the entrepreneurial space. When I first started my business, I was so on it with like attending every event I could and networking and building my connections. And then also my content, right? So they were able to see in my content what I would talk about at my first speaking engagement. And so I think both of these examples kind of show you is that I started by just engaging with those people and those brands and those dream events. Also by saying yes before I was even ready, especially for my first speaking engagement. There was almost a 100 people in the crowd for that first speaking engagement. I definitely didn't feel ready, but I still said yes to that opportunity and it led to so many more. Also, I was okay with doing things for free or for smaller platforms in the meantime, just to kind of introduce myself to that space. And also how I was showing up in my content is I wasn't just sharing hacks and tips. I was sharing my unique point of view. I was sharing actionable strategies and I was showing people what it would look like to collaborate on content or to collaborate with speaking. The next question is what support have you gotten on your 
journey with speaking and brand partnerships. Community truly is everything. That is why I created my mastermind because it was the community that I didn't really have when I first started. But I just started using social media to be social and build connections and build relationships with people that were doing what I wanted to do or were doing something that was similar to what I was doing. And this is how you actually get recommended. I often find that if you're not in the room, you're maybe being recommended by someone that was in the room. So that was a big way that propelled me into attracting a lot of my opportunities, but also just like having conversations with those people and having it be a mutual conversation, a mutual relationship of like, hey, I am so stuck on what to charge this brand or hey, like, do you think I should speak on this? Or do you think this is a a fair ask? Kind of like all those things that feel like they're behind closed doors and that no one really talks about. Just having those conversations with people and not being afraid to ask help, but also to give help. Because I truly believe that there is enough room and space for all of us to have these type of opportunities. And we have to support each other and lift each other up. The other type of support that I got kind of more logistically is I was a part of a speaking program that in a lot of ways was really helpful. But what I kind of found was really difficult. And even just looking around was like, I saw a lot of great resources for working with brands and saw a lot of great resources for speaking, but they didn't really give the perspective from I'm an entrepreneur that has an existing business. And how do I add on these things and make it work and support with my business, right? Not just having speaking as a career, but having it as a part of your business. And that's essentially why I created my mastermind is I wanted to teach everything that I've learned over the past few years from speaking with and partnering with the biggest brands and show you how I've actually used it to fuel my business and how you can also build your career as an entrepreneur. So if you're interested in this, we are going to be opening spots for our 2024 cohort super, super soon. So be sure to join the waitlist, which I will link in the show notes. Okay, another juicy question. Do you ever pitch to brands and companies first? Yes. So I often will actually re-pitch brands that I've worked with in the past, like social media marketing world later. Those are brands that I didn't just work with once, but I constantly was following up and being like, hey, when are you taking speakers for next year of, hey, I have this idea for your YouTube channel that will be really beneficial. And that was actually what put me in the ring to not only get those opportunities once, but also again. I often find that people are always looking for new opportunities, but you might already have access to connections that you can start to leverage now and just keep following up, keep being persistent. So that's definitely something that has worked really well for me. And something that we've tried that's been a little bit new is actually pitching for my upcoming retreat that's a part of the 2023 mastermind. So we've been able to land food and goodie bag sponsors for the event, which has been really exciting. And this has all been from pitching. But if I'm being honest, most of my opportunities are from two different things. They're either from referrals, whether it's past events or people seeing me speak at an event or someone that I'm connected with in the industry, or it's actually from my content. And it could literally be my social media content, my podcast, my emails. I have gotten endless, endless inquiry forms where they say that they found me. They like loved a podcast series or they loved a video that I created. And I think it really shows that like you never know who is watching. I feel like I've told the story so many times. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty, but me landing an episode on the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher really started by Jenna, like literally seeing my reels content and seeing what I was creating. And 
that led to a relationship and a podcast episode and me being a part of her course, right? So that's where most of my opportunities are actually from. And that's what I teach my clients inside the mastermind. Okay, this one's a good one. So before I had a speaker reel, how did I utilize my own social media platform and showcase my skills? So if I'm being honest, I still don't have a formal, perfect speaking reel. I do have examples and references of me speaking on my speaker page, which I will link in the show notes if you just want to do a little lurk, get some inspiration. But honestly, my content is my speaker reel. So my reels, when I go live, when I do podcasts, when I do YouTube, all of those things are my reel. And I want to give you a very like actual example of this because I was actually on a call the other day for a speaking engagement that I landed and they were talking about how they loved my YouTube content and how they said that when they're looking for speakers, they Google people and guess what? Who's who's sisters and siblings with Google? YouTube. And so quite literally using a platform like YouTube can help you get speaking engagements. That is your speaker reel. So whether it's the talking videos, lives, even my own events, like my summer summit that I host or webinars, my podcast video content, me showing my actual skills of how I speak, but also what I speak on has essentially become my speaker reel. So don't let the pressure that you feel like you need to have a speaker reel hold you back from starting because you really don't need one. Oh, this is such a good question. How do you manage your stress and excitement before speaking on stage? I don't. (laughs) Um, I go into those types of experiences expecting the nerves because when you are showing up in such a big way, energetically in a space with so many people, you would like not be human if you didn't feel all of the things. And I can almost guarantee you, even the most experienced speakers, they probably have a little bit of nerves and excitement and jitteries. Um, But a few kind of actionable things that really help me is if I can, I like to scope out the space beforehand, even if it's like just a few minutes before I'm speaking and really getting familiar with my slides. I think that kind of eliminates the unknown, which can cause a lot of fear. So I think that's a really big one. Another one is is for me, when I get nervous, I speak fast and I already speak fast. So a big focus for me in my first five minutes of my presentation, which is typically like the information I know, like the back of my hand is I just focus on telling myself to breathe and calm down because then it kind of helps me stay a little bit more mellow the entire time I'm speaking. And the biggest thing is I avoid any anxiety triggers for me, which means getting really great sleep, not having coffee. I know that seems contradictory of like, you want to have energy, you won't need it. Trust me, you will, you will not need it. Hydrating is a really big one and making sure that I'm early. So I'm not rushed. I think when you're rushed and late, that is just the worst. (laughs) It is like a, a, the perfect storm for anxiety and stress. Okay. So let's hop on over to team. Um, I've done some past episodes on team. So if you want to listen to those, my team has changed and shifted and restructured. I'd say a lot over the last last year. But in general, I think those are some good places to start. And I want to talk a little bit about management because on my stories, I was sharing that I started to work with management. Alora is the agency and it's by Kalia Nicole, who's actually been a guest on this podcast twice. And I got the question of when do you recommend hiring management and what metrics matter? So to be honest, I probably wouldn't recommend hiring management for most people because you really don't need management to 
start working with brands or doing speaking, you just need support. And support can come in a lot of different ways, whether it's a really great project manager or operations specialist, or if it's someone helping you with your content or your inbox. But I find that that is just as impactful as having someone manage everything for you. And I have managed my own things for years. And most management companies look for people that already have a lot of incoming things, that they have a history of working with brands, and that they have a very clear value of what they can offer in partnerships. And so I often think that people assume that working with management is going to help them land more opportunities, but it's really management, right? You want to make sure you're already having a ton and you're kind of like almost overwhelmed with all the things you had, which kind of was to the point I was in. I was like, I could spend my time and energy working on the partnerships, working on speaking, working on those types of things, or I could focus on negotiating and going back and forth and trying to stay on top of opportunities, right? So that's kind of my take. I wouldn't probably recommend it. And I think most agencies probably wouldn't accept most people for that reason. The next question was, how did you find your management and how did they get paid? Um, So like I said, Keely has been on the podcast before. She's a connection that I've known for years. It's such a cool full circle moment because yeah, we've just seen each other grow so much. So when they were looking for Alora gals, it just worked out really well. So I definitely think connections is always really helpful. And with management, the industry standard is to take 20% of any partnerships or speaking engagements that you land. But when it comes to pitching, like I mentioned, we did do some pitching. My management did some pitching for the retreat and was able to land so many awesome goodies. Because a lot of those things are gifted, we do a flat rate for pitching. So that's kind of how that typically goes. And then in terms of just hiring in general is like, what roles have you hired? How have you found those people? Applications, research from your community. So in terms of where I found people, it's been a pretty good mix. Um, My graphic designer who I've been with the longest, we actually connected from Fiverr. So I definitely think you can find great work on those type of freelancing platforms. Also referrals and recommendations is always like my top way to go. And then sometimes if I've had people reach out or I've connected with somebody that's a part of my community, I will consider them for for a role. But I kind of don't really put out application calls as you guys have probably seen because you can kind of get a lot of people, but maybe not great people. You guys are all great, but I know it can be exciting the thought of working with someone that you really like online. Um, So so yeah. And in terms of the roles that I've hired, um, so I have graphic designer, my web designer, I've had my project manager. I've also had some marketing help in the past. That's no longer a role that we have. And then I have a co-coach for my programs. Also, we got to have an accountant. That's a must. If you hire anyone, it should be an accountant. And then I've had a lot of different types of support for my podcast. But right now, my podcast and my YouTube team are the same, which I absolutely love. I think I, I, think I ca- kind of summarized a little bit of everyone there. And to wrap things up for our 100th episode, I want to kind of answer this last question around just scaling and growing a business. And what is your best advice when scaling? And what mistakes did you make that you would do differently now? So there's really four things that come to mind here. I think the biggest one is that there is no rush. I think in life, but especially in business, it can feel like you're constantly moving on to the next and you constantly have to make things bigger and you constantly have to add 
add and grow. And it can make you feel like you need to rush onto the next decision or the next thing or rush your growth. But I think as someone who's experienced kind of viral growth in 2020, I can attest to the fact that growing really fast and going through a lot of changes isn't always the better side of the coin. And it can be really overwhelming. And I also always like to think back to if I plan to have my business for years to come, what is the rush? There is no rush. Like let's slowly build every brick, every piece of foundation to make the perfect home that is going to be our business for years to come. So that's definitely some advice, um, which I think I'm still kind of learning and adjusting to. A big one is to trust your gut. Oh my gosh, this that, that is definitely the top mistake that I could think of, of something that I, I wish I would have done sooner in so many opportunities. And when I was a social media manager, when I've had team issues, when I've said yes to things that I really wanted to say no to, the list could go on and on of things that like in my gut, I knew I shouldn't have said yes to or shouldn't have like went forward with or whatever it is. But you just say, oh, it'll be fine or, oh, it's okay. Like you, you kind of just like gaslight yourself. Like don't trust your gut. There's always a reason. And I always find that when I trust my gut and say no to something, something better always happens. So that's something I'm definitely trying to trust more and more. Another one is focusing on doing whatever I'm doing sustainably first. When it comes to my business or my content or really anything, I've really been trying to lean into like, I want to do this sustainably, right? I don't want to be constantly burning out. I don't want to be tired. I don't want to be stretching myself too thin. And this is with the preface that I've definitely done the latter and I'm constantly learning from that. But I often find that we focus so much on growing, but we forget that we need to do it sustainably first. And the last one is to do it your way. There's so much noise out there on the best ways to grow and the best types of businesses to have and offer suites and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, do it how you want to do it, because that's going to make it sustainable. That's going to make a business you like it's going to make a business that's authentic to you. And I think I've just definitely really been leaning into that of like, I don't need to do all these shiny things. I can do it exactly how I want to do and lean into that. So that is all for this Q&A episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And it was something a little bit more fun and chatty for our 100th podcast episode. If you're interested more in speaking and brand partnership, I have some upcoming episodes that are so, so, so good that are really going to dive a lot deeper into that. So get excited about that. And I will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for supporting the show. Thank you so much for tuning into the Shine Online podcast. I hope this episode has helped you find a simpler way to show up consistently on video. If you loved what you heard, please share this episode with a business owner you know who is struggling with content and video in their business. Or connect on Instagram at Shine with Natasha by taking a screenshot and sharing your biggest takeaway. See you in the next episode.